This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Book Riot's Read Harder 2020 Challenge. Book Riot's annual challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2020 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, the challenge will hopefully help you discover amazing books you wouldn't have picked up otherwise. Read historical fiction that's not about World War II, a retelling of a classic or fairy tale, horror from indie presses, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to get the full challenge task list and to check out the prize for those who complete the challenge. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 66, and we are recording on Tuesday, December 3rd. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, full of food. <laughs> oh, as it always should be. As it always should be. Although I've realized I've got a really bad habit of filling up on the really tasty dip and like crackers mm. and stuff beforehand. So by the time the meal comes around, I'm like, God, I ate a lot of that cream cheese dip. That was really tasty. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, is like, depending on how your Thanksgiving goes, like if people are like still cooking, or there's still like prep going on and stuff like that, it's so easy to just fill up on appetizers before like the main meal comes out. So mm-hmm. th- I feel I mean, I do that at every party I feel like I go to where or like dinner party or anything like that, where I just like always want to eat all of the appetizers. And I have to pace myself and be like, No, there's even better food coming. Calm down stomach. <laughs> I know. I'm the same way. Like, I am a sucker for tasty appetizers. And it's like my my mom had made this really good. It was a cream cheese dip with uh, for crackers, but it had green peppers, uh, green onions and pineapple in it. And it, it was really good. It was savory and sweet. And you put it on a cracker. Oh, it was so tasty. I ate so much of it. Um, but the same thing happens. Yeah, if I'm at my in-laws place, because they always have a bunch of people bringing stuff over. So they've got these like charcuterie dishes, or platters laid out. And then they've got their own types of, you know, crackers and dips. Someone always makes homemade guacamole. And so I'm like, well, there goes my, there goes my willpower. Um, I will eat my weight in guacamole. Just fun fact for everyone. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's, and then by the time dinner comes, I was like, gosh, darn it. Eyes are bigger than my stomach. I'm 30 years old. I have yet to learn. It's the same thing that happens when you go out to eat and they bring the breadsticks. Yes. Ugh. But I, <laughs> My uh, aunt and uncle have actually started getting into the habit of like going for a walk in the afternoon and like on Thanksgiving, like they'll like come and hang out for a little bit and then they'll go for a walk right before they eat. And I'm like, oh, you guys are smart. You've Mm -hmm. learned. You've learned over the years how to do this correctly. (laughs) Yeah. Pace yourself. Get yourself out of the house right before the food comes so that you're not so that you're not, you know, loading up on crackers and dip and, you know, work up your appetite a little bit. So that by the time you come back, everything's laid out. Exactly. And you can just dive right in. Well, I'll try this again around Christmas time because Christmas in terms of the meal for us, it's like it's like a second Thanksgiving. So I've got Mm -hmm. another chance to practice. Nice, nice. All right. So before we jump into the show, um, I have our first sponsor, and that is Amazon Publishing, who have put out Nine Elms by Robert Brinza. Detective Kate Marshall was only getting started when she caught the Nine Elm serial killer, but her career came to a shocking and scandalous end in the aftermath of the killer's capture. Now, 15 years later, a copycat killer has emerged to continue uh, the ghastly work of his idol. Kate was the original killer's intended fifth victim, and his successor means to finish the job. Can Kate draw on her prodigious but long-neglected detective skills to catch the killer before it's too late? So this is a brand new series that Robert Brinza is starting. Um, So if you are looking for a new thriller series to check out, this would be a really good one to do. Um, Robert Brinza is an international best-selling author. His uh, previous novel was The Girl in the Ice that uh, was extremely popular. Uh, So if you are interested in checking out Nine Elms, you can head to amazon.com slash Nine Elms or click on the link in the show notes. Uh, This sounds like a really interesting one, especially if you enjoy thrillers that are about serial killers. Uh, So again, uh, thanks so much to Amazon Publishing and Nine Elms by Robert Brinza for sponsoring this episode. 
All right. So uh, welcome to all of our lovely listeners. Um, if you are new to the show, uh, congratulations. You picked an excellent episode to jump into. Rincy and I are going to be talking about our favorite books of 2019 that we read. This is always one of my favorite episodes. I love doing a recap. And as always, at the beginning of the show, we put out a call for suggestions for future episodes from our lovely listeners. So if you have an, you know, something that's happening in in the news, if there's um, a subgenre that you're interested in but haven't explored, if you're looking for read-alikes for a particular author or anything along along those lines, so if it's related to mysteries and thrillers, it's fair game. So we always invite uh, invite you to share your ideas with us. A lot of your suggestions have made it into past episodes of this show, and we thank you very much to everyone who has contacted us. We really appreciate the ideas, and we appreciate hearing from everyone as well. So we will have our contact information at the end of the show, so um, make sure to keep an ear out for that, and then you know, let us know if you have an idea, or if you just want to hit us up and say hi, we love that as well. Um, I'm As I've mentioned a few times, I am always continuously shocked that people enjoy listening to me prattle on about mysteries. <laughs> So I very much appreciate it when, you know, reading the lovely notes that, that you all have sent have sent to us. So we, we very much appreciate all of you listening over the last, God, two and a half years now. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> all right. Uh, so like Katie said, this is our favorites episode. And so we're not going to have like news or anything like that. I, although we will have some new releases at the end of the episode. But we decided that we wanted this one to be focused mainly on the new releases because there were so many great books that both came out this year and that just in general, Katie and I read. Um, so I'll kick things off. Uh, we're going to do sort of our first segment is uh, what Katie lovingly titled Mutual Favorites slash Books to Arm Wrestle Over. <laughs> um, so we each picked a book that both of us loved. Um, and, you know, we'll each talk about one of them. But yeah, these are basically books that both of us read this year and both of us adored them and both of us highly recommend them. So first, um, I have Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. This is such a good book. I mean, obviously, I'm just going to say that a lot in this episode, but <laughs> <laughs> that should just be the blanket statement. Uh, but this was also kind of like a quiet hit as well. I mean, I don't know how it really did sales wise, but I feel like everyone that I know that ended up reading this book ended up really enjoying it. So I feel like this is one, a really good sort of like blanket, almost Swiss Army recommend good recommendation because I feel like whether you really love mysteries or maybe you don't really read a lot of mysteries, I feel like this book has elements for everyone. So if you aren't aware, um, this book takes place in this small town in Virginia and you are following a handful of different characters who are all related in this very specific way. Um, they all participate or like people in their family participate in this like special treatment that happens. Um, it's like a hyperbaric chamber. Uh, so it's like this chamber that uh, changes in pressure and has water and things like that. And it's supposed to help with uh, different types of uh, physical issues. Um, if there's a kid in there who has autism or is on the autism spectrum who does that. And so like this chamber is supposed to help with all of those things. And they all we're in this chamber uh, when it explodes and two people end up dying. And it's clear that the explosion itself wasn't an accident. And so the story sort of follows all these different characters um, from the time of the explosion. But you sort of like flash back occasionally in the characters' memories to see like what was going on in their lives during this time period and leading up to the explosion and what involvement they did or didn't have with the explosion. So you're following uh, this family they're Korean immigrants who run this hyperbolic chamber. So they are under investigation to see if it was like done on purpose by them to get the insurance money, things like that. Um, there is the mom of one of the kids who ends up dying in the explosion. You follow her life and basically did she have something going on with it and all of these different characters. And while all of them weren't necessarily involved in the explosion outside of just being there. They all have like different secrets and things that they're holding on to. You're also following it through the course of the trial that is happening, um, trying to figure out who did this. And so it's like this really great combination of like a 
legal thriller and like a family saga. It's getting a lot of comparisons to like Leanne Moriarty's books as well as like Celeste Ng's books. And I think those are fair comparisons to make where they have both a lot of heart, but also this like mystery at the center of it that keeps the plot moving. It's a really good book and it explores a lot of like these really great morally gray issues um, and these characters who make bad decisions, but you kind of learn to understand why they're making the decisions that they're making. Um, it changes, like I said, from point of view to point of view. So you really get into the heads of all of these different characters. And honestly, I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed it because usually I don't love multiple point of view character or books um, because I feel like you never really understand all of the characters but i feel like in this book angie kim did such a good job of like balancing all of the perspectives and giving each of the characters their own story and motivation and voice and things like that that like you really understand what's going on with all of these different people and how their stories overlap and things like that so again highly highly recommend this book miracle creek by angie kim i doubt that you'll be disappointed if you end up picking it up yeah, I mean, I second all of that. Like, if I had to pick a favorite book that I read this year, I think Miracle Creek would be my favorite. Like, it is just, it's mind-blowing in kind of a quiet way. But when I finished the book, I just was so amazed at how skillfully she weaves these characters together. Because there's like, what, like seven or eight different characters or something like that. And she does, she, she does it so well without overwhelming you. Like, you're not like, wait a minute, who is this person? Who's this person? Like, you know exactly who each person is and what they're struggling with. And the way their stories connect, I mean, it's like a seamless, like a jigsaw puzzle. And just the way, like, that she lays everything out is just incredible. This was, this was a book that I was muppet arming about still Muppet arm about at work. I have been talking about Miracle Creek for months since I since I read it. I was like, every person who came in, I was like, you need to read this book. You need to read this book. Um, if you're looking for a book club pick, oh my gosh, you will, there is so much to discuss in here. So many issues that she deals with them sensitively. But yeah, there's so much moral gray area that you will, are guaranteed to have some really interesting discussions with this book. Like, I cannot recommend recommended highly enough. So the book that I picked for our mutual favorite slash books to arm wrestle over um, was The Satipur Moonstone by Sujata Masi. If you have listened to this show at all, you have probably picked up that Rinsey and I are huge fans of Sujata Masi and um, the, her Purveen Mystery series. Um, the first book um, which came out uh, last year was The Widows of Malabar Hill, and then The Satipur Moonstone is the second, is the follow-up to, to that book, second book in the series. And it, um, if you're not familiar with the series, um, it takes place in early 1920s India. Praveen is, um, her character is based on the first female to practice law in India at the time. Um, she works with her father, who has his own legal practice, um, and she is often called to assist or take on cases that her father as a man may because of this of how the of how Indian society was at the time, there are some cases that are better handled by a woman because she might be talking to women who, because of their religious observations, may not be allowed to speak to men. And so she has to facilitate for them and advocate for them. But at the same time, she is also working against the many obstacles that are in her path um, as a woman in 1920s India, um, the all of the restrictions that she has placed upon her. So it's a really, really interesting uh, feminist mystery series. It's not, it's not intense. Like, it's not violent. It's, it, I would call this a historical, maybe, I would maybe use the word cozy. Um, but it's definitely on the lighter end. It deals with serious topics, but it's not super intense. And overall, it's just an amazing series. Um, so the Satipur Moonstone has Praveen traveling to advocating for the royal family of Satipur, which is a which is a princely state that's kind of tucked away in the in the forest. It's very isolated, and the Maharaja 
was uh, killed very or died very suddenly uh, due to illness right before his teenage son was struck down in a hunting accident. So now Satipur is ruled by the two Maharani's, the Dowager Queen and her daughter-in-law. And they are in a dispute over the education of the crown prince and a lawyer's counsel is required. Um, but the Maharani's live in Purda, which is one of those religious um, observations where they do not speak to men. So Praveen has to go and uh, talk to them and figure and figure out what would be the best solution for um for the royal house for the prince she has to very much be uh very much be a diplomatic agent um but when she arrives she finds that hey there's still something hinky going on here um there's lots of family like bad family history um there are you know there's lots of untold secrets there's lots of lots of things going around people are she suspects that pe- that someone is poisoning the food um and so she finds herself in this isolated situation there's clearly lots of bad blood so to speak um still running uh running through this family and so she has to figure out how to protect herself and how to protect the royal children from whatever is playing out at the castle. So, yeah, this one it's a it's a very involved uh it's a it's a well-plotted mystery. It's very it's cleverly laid out um and it's it's I don't want to I don't like using the word complicated because that makes it seem like it's difficult to understand and it's not. Um but it's it's complex and there are lots of elements at play here. So this isn't just a simple you know, who done it. Like there's lots of elements going on going on here. There's lots of um there's political stuff. There is, you know, stuff going on with the history of the area at the time. It's just it's such a thoughtful, well crafted mystery. And I've said it before when I first read The Widows of Malabar Hill. Perveen mystery is such a fantastic character. She She's a character who you know is she is trying really hard to do her best in a very difficult situation. She knows not all of her choices are good and she's trying to make the best decision and sometimes it doesn't it doesn't play it play out. Like she she's very competent, she's smart, she's thoughtful and you know she really wants to do right by these she wants to do right for her profession. She wants to do right by her clients. Um, she really wants to do the best that she can. And it's just not always possible. And sometimes because she's inexperienced, like, she'll say something and go, ooh, crud, I shouldn't have said that. Except she doesn't say that in the book because this is 1920s India and that's not how people talked. Anyway, um, but that's, but the sense is that she's really, she's, she's really trying to do her best. And sometimes her best isn't quite enough, but she keeps trying, and she's just so fantastic. I love this character so much, and this this series is so delightful. I like I said, you if you've listened to the show at all, you've heard Rinsey and I talk about Sujata Masi. Um, this is another author that I was muppet arming about at work so much so that my uh, coworker at the library where I where I work, she is in charge of running the library's monthly book club and she picked the widows of malabar hill for their january picks solely because i talked about it so much and i talked about how much i loved it that she said you know what this would be a great one to kind of break up they do a lot of like nonfiction or um other types of historical fiction and she thought this would be a really good way to um kind of uh you know, introduce something a little bit different. Um, but it was because I was Muppet arming about this book so much. So anyway, I love Sujata Masi and I loved the Setapur Moonstone, which is the second book in the Perveen mystery series. And I suppose technically you could read it out of order, but read The Widows of Malabar Hill and do yourself a favor. Just read that one, read the Setapur Moonstone, and then you'll be good. All right. So uh, before we jump into kind of our individual favorites, Katie, do you want to tell us about our second sponsor? Yes, I do. Um, so the second sponsor for this episode is If You Tell by Greg Olson, which is a true crime book. And I mentioned that at the beginning because when I was reading the description, I did not realize this was a true story. And so this book talks about uh, Michelle Notek, who is 
a real person who lived in Washington uh, for years behind the closed doors of her farmhouse in Raymond, Washington. A sadistic mother subjected her daughters to unimaginable abuse, degradation, torture, and psychic terrors. This is why I need to emphasize this is a true crime book. Um, even as others were drawn into their mother's dark web, the sisters found the strength and courage to escape an escalating nightmare that culminated in multiple murders. Harrowing and heartrending, if you tell as a survivor story of absolute evil and the freedom and justice that Nikki, Sammy, and Tori risked their lives to fight for. Um, it is a shocking and horrifying story, but also an empowering one. And it's about the crimes, but also about how these sisters found, uh, strength in each other and, um, the events that happened that made them into the resilient women that they are today. Um, so again, this is If You Tell by Greg Olson. And if you want to, uh, learn more. You can visit amazon.com slash if you tell. Um, I will be adding this book to my reading list immediately. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So on to the rest of our favorites Woo-hoo. from the books that we read this year. Um, the first book I'm sure will not really be a surprise to anyone. Uh, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. And that's Heaven My Home by Attica Locke. This was just a great follow-up to Bluebird, Bluebird. So this is one of those books where you have to read the first book in the series before going on to the second one, uh, because it like directly follows that first book in a lot of the sort of B-plot things that happen in this book. Uh, so in uh, Bluebird, Bluebird, as well as Heaven My Home, you are following this character named Darren Matthews, who is a Texas Ranger. And in this story, there is uh, this boy named Levi King, who's about nine years old, and he leaves his little home um, and heads out and takes his, like, I don't think it's his stepfather but i think it's like his mom's boyfriend's boat out onto the local lake and then the boat's motor dies and then you don't really know what happens to him after that and so he's gone missing and so darren matthews gets assigned to go out to this small town and figure out what exactly is going on is the boy dead or missing or what's going on the thing is, is that Darren Matthews is a black man. Uh, the boy who's gone missing is white and his family is basically filled with white supremacists. Um, and so part of the reason why Darren Matthews gets sent out there is because he's also been working on various like white supremacist, local terrorism sort of projects and investigations. And so he gets sent out there to sort of look into this family and the people connected with this family and see if there's any other information he can potentially get to take down these groups and organizations. Um, and so, yeah, the story sort of like goes on from there, obviously, like being a black man in this small town in Texas and being surrounded by white supremacists does not make his job very easy. And he has a lot of things that he's sort of dealing with. Um, there's a lot of repercussions from the first book with his family, which I won't get into because I think that sort of gets into spoilery territory for people who didn't read Bluebird, Bluebird. Uh, but if you did read that one, the things that happen in that book carry on into this book. Um, I love Attica Locke. Anyone who has been listening to this knows this for that to be true. Um, I will read everything that she writes. And I think that she did a great job with this follow-up. Like part of me wondered if a follow-up to Bluebird, Bluebird could be as good as Bluebird, Bluebird. And yet she did it. Uh, Darren Matthews continues to make terrible choices. He's not like a hero by any means necessary. He makes a lot of mistakes. And I kind of, not that I love that about him, but I love that at a clock writes these morally great characters or these characters who make really terrible decisions, but also are doing things that are really good for the world and helping to save people's lives and stuff like that. Um, and I think that she also does a great job of like weaving in these main mysteries with also these, other conflicts of like racial strife and things that are going on in the real world, but also family conflicts and family drama. Uh, these books are complete page turners. If you haven't read Attica Lock yet, I don't know if I can talk about her enough and recommend her highly enough. I don't think that there's that many people who can really compare to her uh, writing. So yes, have in my home by Attica Locke. She did an amazing, amazing job with this follow up. And I'm very excited to see what else she does with the series. And also it's being adapted into a show supposedly. So I cannot wait for that either. 
Yeah, I um I just finished Heaven My Home last night and 100% agree with everything you just said. It is incredible. It is and it's not even that long of a book and she like she, she her, her writing is so razor sharp. Like yes. she just cuts right through it and yeah, Darren Matthews, he just makes all of these horrible decisions, but you kind of understand why he makes them, but at the same time, you just want to yell at the book. Like, why are you doing this? Um, yes. It's oh, morally complex and so much gray area. If you, if you want to talk about the gray area of morality, holy cow, this this series is is it. Um, but yes, I loved that book so much. Um, okay, so my next pick is Theme Music by T. Marie Vandelli, which I read earlier this summer. This one was recommend. Well, it was showing up on a lot of lists, and um, our resident philosopher reader and occasional guest host Liberty Hardy um, had read it, and she was like, "Holy cow, this book is disturbing and bloody." And I said, "Well, say no more." Um, so uh, this, so yeah, this book is it's a standalone novel, psychological suspense mixed with horror for sure. Um this is this is a book that if you're not sure like oh, I don't know about gore and let me tell you this book this book is pretty intense. Um like I was reading it in parts and going, "Ooh. Oh god, that's horrible." <laughs> um but it's it's such uh it's such an interesting story. It's so creepy. It's so well done. Um the main character is Dixie Wheeler and when she was a baby, her father allegedly um, or her father butchered her entire family with an axe. Um, she was left alive and she was, uh, famously known as Baby Blue because that was the song playing on the CD player, whatever they were listening to when she was found. Um, and so she has grown up without her immediate family. She's been raised by her aunt. She um she has grown up in this very she has a very traumatized past even though she can't remember what happened because she was a tiny baby. There's she's had a lot of trauma in her life. She's pretty severely messed up. Like she she's very definitely affected by the events in her life. And so um she's in her mid 20s and she's trying to forge a connection with the family she never got to know. So she sees that her childhood home where her family was murdered goes up for sale. So Dixie says, "Hmm, I'm going to buy that house." And if you're saying that sounds like a terrible idea, correct. You <laughs> That is is an absolutely terrible idea. Um, and she, like, tries to find her family salvaged furniture. She basically tries to recreate the house from the time when her family was killed. Um, and while she's doing this, there are some lots of things going on that are making her and you as the reader question her sanity. You know, is, is the house haunted? Is she going out of her mind? Is it both? Is, you know, what is going on? Um, so she's trying to find out what happened because even though her father was arrested and uh, put in jail for the murder, there's still some doubt that he, you know, that he may not have committed the murders, that it may have been someone else. So she's trying to put together this information um, based on, you know, the crime report, crime scene photos that she's able to get a hold of, talking to people um, who were who knew her family or who lived nearby at the time. And it's really, it's, it's a, it's a really good mystery, first off. Um, but yeah, it's unsettling. It's dark. It's disturbing. This is a great read alike if you like Gillian Flynn or if you like Dark Places by Gillian Flynn, which both have kind of a similar theme. People growing up after their families were butchered with an axe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've got a motif going here. Um, but it is such, it is such a good book. Um, you just have to prepare yourself because it is, it is very dark. It's, it's like gleefully dark. Like the author knows that she's, that she's creating some, some very, uh, very messed up, uh, scenes, so to speak. And she's kind of delighted about it, like when she's writing, which I, I very much appreciate. Um, so this is definitely not a book for every reader, but if you're the kind of reader that enjoys dark and disturbing, you really want to give this one, uh, give this one a read. So again, that's theme music by T. Marie Vandelli. 
Okay, my next pick is The Fragile Panty Tree Mystery by Ovidia Yu. Uh, this is a historical mystery, and I think that this would actually be a really good recommendation for people who really enjoy um, Sujata Masi's books, and maybe you've read the two that are out there, and you want some more historical mysteries, and you enjoy the fact that it's set in like another country and things like that. This one will probably be up your alley. It's a little bit on the lighter side than uh, the... Sujata Masi books, but I think that it definitely has a lot of the same vibe to it. These books take place in 1960s Singapore. You are following this character uh, named Su Lin, who was orphaned at a young age. She has a little bit of a limp uh, because she had polio, uh, but she ends up getting an education because her family or her aunt uh, gets her uh, educated and she ends up basically deciding that because after getting an education that she wants to work and not just like go and get married off. And because of this, she ends up getting hired at the acting governor's uh palace as a nanny after their Irish nanny suddenly passes away due to some like mysterious circumstances. And while she's like figuring all of this stuff out, um, she also ends up getting kind of like hired by the detective who's looking into the mystery uh, to sort of like do some poking around while she's being a nanny uh, and give him any information that she ends up finding out. Uh, like I said, this book is really, really delightful. Um, Sulin is a, a great character. I love her so much. And I'm so excited to read uh, the rest of the books in the series. There's at least two, if not three books out already in this series. Um, so I'm super excited to pick up more of them. It's a great setting. It's, again, really fun characters. Uh, the main detective is also really fun. And her and uh, the detective and Su Lin have like really great chemistry together. Uh, it's it's I, it had a lot of really interesting twists to the story as well. I expected it to be like a really cozy story, but it's not super cozy. It just has that like nice lightness that most historical mysteries have. Uh, so yeah, if you enjoy historical mysteries, if you enjoy the Sujata Masi books, I definitely think this one would be up your alley as well. And that's The Fragipani Tree Mystery by Ovidia Yu. Okay, so my next pick, um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I have talked about it semi-recently, um, is The Whisper Man by Alex North. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's been a, they, they have sponsored our, our show a few times. So we've talked about this book a fair amount. Um, psychological suspense, um, set in England. Uh, main characters, uh, Tom Kennedy, his wife has just died and he finds himself a single parent to Jake, who is, Oh, he's about six years old, I think. Um, and so they, they, um, purchase a new house, uh, in a, in a quiet little town called Featherbank. Um, but 20 years ago in Featherbank, there was a serial killer called the Whisper Man. Um, when he was nicknamed that because he would, uh, lure his victims, which were all young children, um, out of their houses by whispering under their windows at night. I have said it before, I don't know why this would lure children outside, I think that's horrifying, but apparently it worked. Um, but he was, he was captured, he is in jail, but soon after Tom and Jake move into the house, the, another child disappears in disturbingly similar circumstances. And so that, so that's, trying to find find out okay did this guy have an accomplice is this a is this just a copycat or is this a copycat not just a copycat you know what's going on and so the heart of the mystery is is really is really good um and it's creepy like liberty talked about this book in october and she said that there is a particular scene that made her want to like fling the book across the room and i confirmed with her after i after i read it i was like was this the scene you were talking about she's like yep 100 percent." and one of my co-workers read this book after i talked about it and, and when she finished i was like so did you didn't like you remember that scene and i started to talk about it and she went oh my god that scene scared the crap out of me so <laughs> there's there's one particular scene in here that will kind of make you like fling the book in the air and want to like double check all the doors and windows and stuff like that um and if you do read the book hit me up and see if we ha if we had the same reaction to the same scene but what i what really set this book apart besides being super creepy is that it has a really emotionally resonant story about 
with the the father and the son and it's he's str- you can tell he's struggling really hard to be a good dad to his son who is you know who misses his mom but who's clearly unmoored by you know this change in their life and he wants to do right by him but he doesn't feel like he's he's doing a good job and there there's such a strong emotional bond between the two of them and that their emotional relationship is really poignant and really well done like it's i it's it's really it has so much heart to it like sincere heart and i think that really yeah that really set it apart for me from just from like oh yeah this is a creepy book to hey this is a creepy book but they're like the characters are extremely well drawn um so i really enjoyed this this is a page turner um yeah you'll probably want to read this one with the lights on stay away from the doors and windows um but it's really really good um so again that is the whisper man by alex north Okay, and then to kind of like wrap things up, Katie and I each wanted to talk about a backlist book that we read this year that we really enjoyed. Um, so I'm just going to talk about mine really quickly because I feel like we talk about this book quite often or this author quite often. But Force of Nature by Jane Harper really took me by surprise this year. And I feel like I would be remiss if I picked any other backlist book because I was just so surprised by how much I enjoyed this book. Um, if you aren't aware, Jane Harper wrote the book The Dry as well as The Lost Man, which came out, I believe, this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Force of Nature came out last year, and I just didn't end up picking it up until this year. And like I said, it took me by surprise because it's so very different from The Dry. Like, if you read The Dry, you're like, oh, this is a really great book. And then Force of Nature is also a really great book, but in a completely different way. The Dry is so atmospheric and has less, like, slightly suffocating feel from the heat and things like that while force of nature is completely like action-packed and lots of twists and turns and i was just so blown away by how much of a range jane harper has in terms of a mystery writer um i feel like with mo a lot of writers in general uh, but especially mystery writers they get a sort of like style or theme and things like that that they cover and i feel like jane harper really showed like two widely different styles of mystery writing in these books um so anyways force of nature you are following this group of people who all are work together and they go on this sort of like weekend hiking trip as sort of like a team building thing um and they are split up into guys and girls and so the guys go off on one trail the girls go on another and they're supposed to meet up like the next day or after two days um at the end of the trail but when they come out the guys all come out on time but the girls come out really really late and one of the girls is missing and so it becomes this search and rescue story but it flashes back and forth in time between the current search for this missing woman as well as what happened while on the trail and so it becomes this mystery of is she missing is she dead did this happen on purpose? Is this an accident? And all of these secrets about these different coworkers and their bosses and things like that start to come out and you start to wonder, is that related to what's happening or not? Um, yeah, this book was so, so good. And I think that if you are someone who potentially read The Dry and you found it to be too slow for your liking if you like your things to you're reading your mysteries to be more fast-paced i think you should give force of nature a try because that one might be more up your alley i actually personally liked force of nature more than the dry uh but you know like everyone enjoys different types of mysteries so yeah i think that this would also be a really good one to pick up if you read the dry and you were kind of iffy on it try force of nature because it has a very different feel to it but it's also a very very good book yeah, okay. And then my uh last uh my backlist pick that I'll go through really quickly is His Bloody Project by Graham McCrae Burnett, um which is a historical um mystery kind of doesn't do it justice as to what kind of a book it is, but um it tells the crimes of this uh character named Roderick McCrae um who um lived in who lives in Scotland. Uh, 1860s part of a uh, he's from a very 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 poor family and he is arrested for killing the village constable and his two children and it's this book i think the thing that i it well it's full of like 
really, really realistic historical detail. But the other thing is that it really takes the concept of the unreliable narrator and really works with it effectively. Like, the story is told in several parts. The first part is the account written by Roderick McRae himself from, from jail explaining, hey, you know, this is what happened, this is what led up to it, and then the other parts are told from the perspective of other people. Like, one's a chapter in a book from, I think, his uh, psychologist um, who who talks to him at the jail. And I can't remember who the other part is told by. Um, no, I think it's it's told through uh, news clippings of the of the trial and the proceedings that happen there. And it really makes you stop and think about what what it is that you think that you believe that you think happened, why you believe that, and it really it doesn't leave you with any easy answers. This is a book that will leave you thinking um, after you finish reading it. And it's definitely a slow burn kind of a novel, but the details are so sharp and it's just such a compelling story with so much to think about and chew on. It's so good. This was one I was really surprised how much I liked it. Like, I had wanted to read it for a while, but I'm not always into the historical stuff. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll give it a shot. This one really surprised me at how much I enjoyed it. Um, so again, that is His Bloody Project by Graham McRae Burnett. Okay, so those are all of the favorites that we have to talk about in this episode. Uh, let us know if you've read any of these books or what your favorites were from the year, especially if they were books that you haven't heard us specifically talk about in the, on the show, because we might just not have it on our radar and we might need someone to tell us that it's really good. So send us a tweet, send us an email, let us know what your favorites were from this year. All right, so I am going to bust through the a few new releases super, super fast, um, but I definitely want to give these a shout out. Um, so the first one that I want that I'm talking about is A Madness of Sunshine by Nalini Sang, uh, which comes out today on the third. Um, Nalini Sang has, uh, she is really well known as a romance author. This is her first thriller. Um, so this takes place in, uh, New Zealand and, uh, takes place in, uh, Golden Cove. And in Golden Cove, everyone really knows everyone. Everyone is bonded together very closely. Adults are more than neighbors. Children are more than schoolmates. Um, but one summer, uh, there are several, several people who just vanish and that really shatters the trust holding Golden Cove together. And so what's left behind are whispers, closed doors, broken friendships, silent agreements to not look back. But of course, in these types of stories, you can't run from the past forever. Um, then eight years later, a young woman disappears without a trace. And the residents of Golden Cove wonder if their uh, home shelters something far more dangerous than an unforgiving landscape. Um, and of course, it's not long before the past collides with the present. And all and these secrets start to come to light. So again, that is A Madness of Sunshine by Nalini sang. The next book, which uh, is also out today on the 3rd, is Just Watch Me by Jeff Lindsay. Uh, if you recognize the name, he wrote the Dexter series. And so he has a new series um, with another, uh, another very interesting anti-hero, I guess you could call him. A bad guy we, we can't help but root for. Um, Riley Wolf is a master thief, and he is not adverse not averse to violence when it's needed, but Riley targets the wealthiest one-tenth of a percent of the population and is willing to kill them when they are in his way. He despises the degenerate and immoral rich and loves stealing their undeserved and unearned valuables. So in this first book, uh, Riley decides that he is going to try and steal the crown jewels of Iran because, uh, well, they are worth billions, but the real attraction for trying to steal them comes down to the fact that it can't be done. It's supposed to be impossible to steal these jewels. They are too well protected by electronics, uh, heavily armed mercenaries. No one can, you can't even imagine trying, getting past the airtight security, getting your hands on the jewels and escaping alive. Um, but Riley Wolf has always liked a challenge, even if this challenge may be more than even he can handle. 
And so he has um, he has an ally or a sometime ally, um, a woman who is a master art forger. Um, so with with her assistance, he uh, Riley Wolf goes for the prize that will either make him a legend or more likely leave him dead. Um, so again, that is just Watch Me by Jeff Lindsay, um, which is the first book in the new series that is out already in stores. And then the final book that I want to talk about is The Dead Girls Club by Damien Angelica Walters, which is out on December 10th. Um, this book is described uh, as a good read-alike for A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay, which is one of my favorite horror novels. But uh, it takes place in 1991. Um, Heather Cole and her friends were members of what they called the Dead Girls Club. They are obsessed with the macabre. They tell, you know, they research serial killers and they imagine monsters like the Red Lady, who's supposed to be the spirit of a vengeful witch killed centuries before, like um, Bloody Mary. And uh, Heather knew that the stories were just that until her best friend Becca began insisting that the Red Lady was real and she could prove it. Then Becca and Becca got killed because of that belief. So nearly 30 years later, um, Heather has never told anyone what really happened the night that Becca was right. The red lady was real. Um, she's tried to put that summer behind her, but then a familiar necklace arrives in the mail, a necklace Heather hasn't seen since the night Becca died, the night Heather killed her. Now someone else knows what she did and they're determined to make Heather pay. Um, so again, this is, uh, this is a supernatural thriller, um, that kind of borders between suspense and horror. Um, and again, that is The Dead Girls Club by Damien Angelica Walters and that is out on December 10th. All right. So to finally wrap things up, we just have the books that we've been reading lately. Uh, so I am on a mission to reduce my physical TBR. Anyone who follows me on Instagram probably has seen me posting about this because I'm determined to get it to under 50 books by the end of the year. And I'm at currently, as of this recording, at 55. Um, so two of the books that I read this uh past couple of weeks. Uh, the first one is Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha. This is a pretty new release. And it was very, very good. I read Steph Cha's first book, which I can't remember off the top of my head, and I liked it. But And I was like intrigued enough by her writing to want to read more. But this one is definitely a significant step up from that one. Um, in this book, it takes place in kind of two time periods, one of which is like sort of modern day, and the other one is during the 1990s. It's all set in Los Angeles. And it focuses on these sort of like two different families. One of them is a black family who has a um, young where a young black girl was uh, killed during the 1990s, basically at the peak of the race riots. And the other one is a Korean family. And the Korean immigrant parents uh, own this like local pharmacy. And they are estranged from one of the daughters named Miriam. And Miriam's sister Grace doesn't really understand everything that's going on. Um, and events occur and you see sort of how these two families end up becoming intertwined. Um, and it's also has like this mystery element to it because the, um, mother of the Korean immigrant family, um, ends up getting shot outside their family pharmacy. And it's partially about like who shot her. Um, but. Yeah, this book was really, really well done. Uh, like I said, it ta it's dealing with the race riots that happened in the 1990s. Um, and it does a really good job of talking about the relationship that everyone sort of had with the race riots, depending on what your own race was. Um, as Steph Cha is taking this again from a Korean perspective. And so there's like very specific things that happened to and around Korean people during this time period. Um, this is also a book that's based on a real event that happened in the 90s in Los Angeles. And I won't talk about that specific event because I do think that'll kind of spoil a couple of things about the story. But I think that there's this really interesting mystery element of who shot this woman, as well as what happened to this family back in the 90s, because it slowly revealed what was all going on, combined with the tension of Los Angeles during this time period. Um, but it also, again, feels very, very relevant, given the events that are currently happening in our world, in our lives. It does talk about things mm -hmm. like Black Lives Matter, but also sort of looking at the way that violence against black people by police officers or other people have like been 
happening for years and years and years. And it's just, you know, now starting to become a more widely talked about thing because we have things like cell phone cameras and stuff like that and the internet that help spread the word. Um, so if you enjoy your mysteries to have some grounding in reality, sort of like an Attica lock type of thing, I think that Your House Will Pay by Steph Chow would be a really great one to pick up. Um, the other book that I read was The Lost Man by Jane Harper, which I will not talk too much about because I feel like I talked a lot about Jane Harper in this episode. Um, but this one is her latest release. And this one feels a lot more like The Dry than like Force of Nature. So if you really, really, really enjoyed The Dry, um, I think that you'll enjoy The Lost Man a lot. What I really loved about this book is that it gets, it starts off really slow, but it's sort of like that idea of like boiling a frog in water where like the frog doesn't realize that the temperature is slowly rising and all of a sudden they're stuck in boiling water. That's what this book felt like reading. You start off really slow and you see all these events happening and you're not really sure how it's connected or if you're ever really going to solve the mystery. But then it sort of like takes these really interesting ideas and turns and by the end it's like so intense and you're so surprised by everything that's going on or at least I was. Um, so if you aren't aware, The Lost Man is a standalone so it would also be a good place to start with Jane Harper if you would like. And you are following this family that lives sort of out on like the open outback of Australia. And there's three brothers and they're all kind of have this strained relationship. And one of the brothers is found dead at like this far end fence of their land. Um, and the two brothers come together to you know, find the body as well as to try to figure out what actually happened. And it turns out there's a lot been going on in this family. Uh, and yeah, it's like super dark, super atmospheric, but so well done. Um, and this one was pretty close to making my favorites of the list for sure. Um, so again, The Lost Man by Jane Harper. Go read Jane Harper. She's amazing. All right. Well, we're coming to the end. Um, so I won't really go into too much what I am finished or starting. Um, but I will say I've got a stack of 2019 books that I, mysteries and true crime that I have not gotten to yet this year. I don't know if I'll be able to get through all of them by the end of the year, but my next picks will definitely be, um, will definitely be a nonfiction or true crime. So the two that I have, uh, waiting for me is Say Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland by Patrick Raiden Keefe and The Queen, The Forgotten Life Behind an American Myth by Josh Levin. I will, uh, flip a coin to see which one I read next. So that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Uh, for show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. If you enjoy the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and check us out. And if you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions or telling us what your favorite books were from the year, you can find us at dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.